You're listening to a podcast from Victory. God is our Heavenly Father and Creator. Know more about this truth in week one of the Apostles' Creed. It's really challenging, of course, with regards to the topic of Apostles' Creed because many of you uh, have a background of uh, our former belief before and I believe that most of us know how to recite this creed. Who among you here have recited the creed at least once in your lifetime, okay? Some of, okay, how about the others? No creed? Okay, anyway, uh, you'll be learning from this, don't you worry. And we really hope that you'll be here for the next seven weeks. Just uh, remind that person beside you, will you be here? Just ask that person, will you be here? Okay, and I hope that that person will be here for the next seven weeks, because if not, then you'll be missing a lot. And again, because we'll be talking about our, the, the faith of Christianity, and I'll be explaining to you some of these uh, things that we believe and I do understand also that uh, this will be a combination of at least declaration or preaching and at the same time teaching as well. So please uh, don't get bored because I believe that, you know, the Holy Spirit will awaken you. Having said that, I'd like everyone to stand up with me, please. If you have a Bible, we're uh, going to use our Bible. Let me start off with Genesis chapter 1 to 5. It says here, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Let me jump off to verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you so much because we believe that your Holy Spirit is here and will be our teacher. And we ask that you will make us humble, Lord, to understand that we cannot understand your word apart from your Holy Spirit. And we even pray and ask, Lord, that you will also remind us that you are always with us, that you are taking care of us, that you will orchestrate everything, Lord, for your glory and honor. Lord, right now we lay down everything at your feet. If there are some of us who are going through some problems, trials and testings in our lives. Lord, again, we lay down everything at your feet. We believe, Lord, that you care for us. And I pray, Lord, that you will release some of us, Lord, from any burdens, from any anxiety, from any worries in our minds, any fears, Lord, right now. Give us the peace that transcends every human understanding. And once more, Lord, we truly believe that you are here to allow us to focus on you. Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Once more, the glory belongs to you. Father, we pray this in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people say, Almighty, Amen and Amen. You may all take your seats, please. And by the way, uh, before I forget, um, let me introduce my wife to you. Okay, my wife is here. Okay, uh, she's Lisa and my two sons. Okay, they, so that you can be recognized, please. Okay, that's my wife. Okay, and my helmet pusha. Okay, so don't you worry. And my two sons are here, Daniel and Gabriel. Okay, it's, uh, now. Uh, speaking about the Apostles' Creed, let me start off with a lot of terms here. Don't you worry, I will not explain this. I have a few uh, minutes only to preach. But when I, when I mention about these terms, I will not be here to explain, okay? But somehow, at least, you might probably heard about these terms. There are a lot of belief right now, there's a lot of worldviews right now that are trying to attack our belief, especially Christianity. And the belief that, you know, people right now hold in order to attack Christianity are, you know, sometimes very foreign, and sometimes we hear it 
just now in our generation. But of course, the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun. Everything was just revised. Everything was just repackaged. But it's the same kind of old belief that we hear. In fact, even 2,000 years ago. And so such belief like atheistic dualism, atheistic idealism, there's also nihilism. There is also what we call panentheism. There's also materialism. There are pantheism, there are finite Buddhism, there are mysticism, there are relativism, there are also skepticism, there are monism, narcissism, we have unitarianism, we have deism, we have annihilationism, and so on and so forth. All the isms in the world that they are trying to attack our belief. If we are not prepared, of course, to give them the reason, of course, that we have in order for us to explain our belief, then what we will think is that we are just, you know, jumping on a blind leap of faith. They're, they're just thinking that, you know, Christianity is just a blind leap in the dark. But of course not. That's one of the reasons why we're going to talk also about the Apostles' Creed. But of course, it's not just about belief, but it's about how we can apply these things in our life as well. And so, speaking of those things, the word creed, by the way, let me just also remind us that the word creed means credo. It came from a Latin word credo, which means I believe. And normally when we say I believe, we usually recite that when we were in our former belief before, in our former religion. I believe. And you have heard, I believe in God the Father Almighty. And if you are from the eastern part of the church or eastern part of the hemisphere, then there is what we also call credimus, which is, which is we believe. It speaks of the whole body of Christ. Because as a whole body of Christ, this is what we believe, and we will not you know, uh, give this up. Even in our next generation, even in our fourth generation, we will still continue to hold on to this belief, no matter what happens. Not even, you know, a lot of worldviews come up, we will still hold on to this belief and we will pass it on to our children and even our children will pass it on to their next generation as well. And we will continue to do this. The earliest belief or creed that we can uh, somehow uh, understand is that according to some commentators, the earliest creed that was mentioned or belief that was mentioned was stated by Peter when in Matthew chapter 6 verse 13 to 16, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And then his next statement was, Now when Jesus came into the district of, uh, now when Jesus was uh, asking this, Jesus was trying to ask who he is based from all the people that they hear, based from what people understand. And so who do people say that the Son of Man is? But however, of course, the disciples, of course, just told Jesus. This is what other people said. They said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. This is what other people say about you. But the next question would be, but what do you understand about me? Who do you think is the Son of God? He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, Peter had to come with his own personal revelation and personal confession of who Jesus Christ is. Unless we understand who Jesus Christ is, then we don't have a personal relationship with him. In other words, we have to know who he is. There's a lot of Jesuses in this world. There's a lot of Jesus in this world that even probably your neighbor, neighbor's name is Jesus de la Torre or Jesus de los Reyes, or Jesus de la Torre. You don't know. But the point is that there's a lot of Jesus in this world. Who is that Jesus that you believe? You may be here in victory, 
attending for the next 10 years or 20 years, but if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you will still end up in eternal damnation and eternal hellfire. Let me just be straightforward with this. Because the Bible was given to us, of course, in, in order for us to know who Jesus Christ is, this is not just some information, information or trivia, but the point here is that we have to know who He is. If you check from Genesis to Revelation, it points towards who Jesus Christ is. That is why for Jesus Christ, He wants to know, who do you think I am? It is like Jesus Christ standing in front of you and saying, who do you think I am? Now, if you say, my mother said that you are, or my father said that you are, or my grandma said that you are. No, but how about you? Who do you think I am? And you have to, again, go back to that confession and say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Son of God that I accepted. You are the Son of God that I have confessed. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 16 to 18, it says, But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. And so in this case, it says here, Hymenaeus and Philetus swerve from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. Now notice that it says here, the resurrection has already happened. There are a lot of worldviews as well during their time that they are saying, well, some say that the resurrection already happened. This is what already happened. In fact, some people say that this is what happened. And what they are doing is that they are trying to derail the faith of many believers or trying to upset the faith of some. They're trying to wiggle their faith. And so what are we going to do? A lot of worldviews are here. A lot of faith are here in our midst. But however, of course, if we know and hold on to who he is, then we will not be swayed. Speaking of the Apostles' Creed, the Apostles' Creed, by the way, was formulated by the year probably AD 200. That's around AD 200. After that was the Nicene Creed. That's around AD 325. For the very reason that they need to come up with this creed because the identity of Jesus Christ is being attacked by one person by the name of Arius. Arius is an Alexandrian uh, bishop, and he's trying to attack the identity of Jesus Christ, saying that Jesus Christ is just, you know, lower than the Father. And so they have to come up with the Nicene Creed. They also have to come up with the Chalcedonian Creed, because, again, another part of the, uh, part of the faith is being attacked. Aside from that, they also have to come up with the Athanasian Creed in the year AD 500. What else? The canons on the Council of Orange and the statements of faith of the Third Council of Constantinople, which they formulated in AD 681. There's a lot of creeds. The purpose of this creed is really to strengthen our faith. This is not some mantra. Okay? This is not some religious ritual that we do in order for us to get something from the Lord. And if you say this creed, then, you know, lo and behold, God will grant you your wish. No, it's not that. But it's more of reminding ourselves that this is what we believe, and this is what I'm going to hold on whatever happens. That's why we are starting off with the first part of the creed, which is, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And I'd like to give a chance for everyone right now to recite this creed from the Western creed that says, I believe. Let me, let's start off with, I believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. There's a lot of you know, things here that probably is somehow making you think, what about the Catholic Church? What about you know, descending into hell? What about those things? Now, please, okay, if you can hold on and at the same time attend the, the, sur- the uh, Sunday service for the next seven weeks, then you will understand what we believe. There is this one guy by the name of Reverend Joe Wright. His name is Reverend Joe Wright. He's one pastor in the U.S. And one time he was invited to pray in front of a lot of government officials. And you know what? During the time, what he did was to write his, his prayer. He wrote his, his prayer and then he read it in front of a lot of government officials. And he understand that the U.S., the United States, of course, is so much, I would say, strong with regards to also uh, giving the chance for the minority groups to also air out their belief. And there's a lot of minority groups in the U.S. It's not just the majority, of course. And so what Reverend Joe Wright did was to come up with a prayer that even rocked the United States. And even at the same time, even woke up, you know, a lot of church leaders as well. And so this is his prayer. It says here, Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and to seek your direction and guidance. Now, this is in front of the government official of the United States. We know your word says, Woe to those who call evil good. But that is exactly what we have done. We have lost our spiritual equilibrium and reversed our values. We have ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. We have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and called it alternative lifestyle. We have exploited the poor and called it the lottery. We have rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We have killed our unborn and called it choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. We have abused power and called it politics. We have embezzled public funds and called it essential expenses. We have institutionalized bribery and called it suites of office. We have coveted our neighbor's possessions and called it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Search us, O God, and know our hearts today. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free. Amen. And there's a lot of truth in what he said in that prayer. That if we will not try to expose the things right now in our day and time, then people will never know. That is why as believers, you have to take your stand wherever you, got, wherever you are. Whether in your office, whether you are in, in that place of work, whether you are in the school, take your stand as a believer. Don't compromise your faith. You have to be a light and a salt wherever you are. Wherever you go. You have to take your stand because if not, then this kind of practices and even thinking will penetrate even our generation. And we don't want that to happen, of course, in our own generation. In First Thessalonians 5.21, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. 
hold fast what is good. Martin Luther was faced with this kind of testing as well. When he was asked by a lot of, of course, I would say leaders during his time, and he was asked to recant because he has written a lot of books that tries to expose the practices of the belief during the time. What he did, it landed in history and caused the Reformation. And this is what he said, Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of the popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. Amen. The Bible is still our authority. The Bible is still the Word of God. The Bible is still the decision maker. The Bible will still be the Word that many and all of us should follow. Despite a lot of voices, despite a lot of authorities out there, the Scripture will still be the authority even in our life, in our day and time. Having laid the foundation, let me start off right now with our main preaching or teaching or main topic, which is, of course, the three important descriptions of God that are true to us. I'm just starting, by the way. This is just, you know, that we're not yet... This is is just a start, okay? So I'm just warming up. Okay, So let's start off with the first one, which is God is Father. God is Father. By the way, God is not Mother, but God is Father. Although there are groups right now who believe that God is also a Mother, But that is not, of course, scriptural, and that is not biblical. We have to hold on, again, to what is true and what is right from the scripture. The scripture in Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him. Male and female, he created them. When God created human, he created them male and female. He created them as perfect man and perfect woman. Perfect man in the form of Adam and perfect woman in the form of Eve until the time, of course, that when they sinned against the Lord. And we have to understand that when God created man, of course, his plan really is, you know, good, very, very good until the time that they sinned against the Lord. In fact, we could say that God is the father of all humanity. God is the father of all humanity. There's a difference between God being the father of all humanity and God being the father of his children spiritually. We could say also that in the book of Malachi, in Malachi chapter 2 verse 10, it shows to us that God is the father of all creation. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? In other words, if we say that we are brethren in the, in the context, of course, of creation, then we are brothers and sisters. After all, we came from Adam and Eve. But however, of course, but at the same time, let me also quote Acts chapter 17, verse 28. It also was mentioned by the Apostle Paul himself in one book that is an extra biblical book. It says here, For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. And so we understand again that all people in this vast creation are in fact brothers and sisters. But then of course, again, we're talking about creation. Creation. 
But we also understand as believers that not everyone can be called children of God. Because those only who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ are called a child of God. The Bible is strong in that. When John wrote this, it says here, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the Father, or nor will of the flesh, rather, nor of the will of man, but of God. So therefore, not everyone in this world are brothers and sisters spiritually. I mean, that person who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ is your brother if you have already accepted the Lord as well. That's why we have to, again, share the gospel, share the truth to other people. Because in reality, not everyone will end up in heaven. A lot of people, of course, the Bible says, and it's clear, very clear, that broad is the road towards destruction and damnation. And we're going to talk about that, of course, along the way, as we focus on the other topics in our series. But the point here is that not everyone can be called a brother and a sister in, of, in the Lord. But then again, who can see that and who can say that? Of course, the Lord knows our heart. We have no right to judge other people. Yes, we understand that. But we are also clear that not everyone can be called a child of God. And so this, is, this may be a hard teaching. This may be hard for us to hear and to listen. But in reality, this is the truth. Truth can be offensive. Truth can hurt people. And I would say that let the truth of the word offend people, but not us. Don't offend people. Let the truth of the word of God offend the people. Because if the Holy Spirit will be the one to strike the hearts of the people, then there's a chance, a big chance, huge chance for that person to come to know Jesus Christ and eventually embrace him, embrace who Jesus Christ is. But please, don't offend people by your words. John chapter 8, 44, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. It also continues on, that there is no truth in that person, of course, if that person is a child of the enemy or the child of the devil, unless that person is a child of God or a child of the enemy. Now, please don't point at, at you know, certain people and say, you know, that guy is a child of the devil. Don't say that. It's only the Lord who knows that, of course. But the point here is that what I understand from the scripture is that if you are the child of God, you have to say the things that are truth. But a person who is a child of the enemy or a child of the devil will always speak lies. Because in the next passage it says, When he lies, when Satan lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now who among you here have lied at least once in your life? Okay? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> All of us have lied. At least. Once. Twice. And by the way, there is no black lie, white lie, red lie, or purple lie. There is no All lies are all lies. Lying is a sin. If you say that I'm coming, I'm already on the, you know, on the road, going there, but you're just deceiving that person. But really, the reality is that you're going to the bathroom to take a bath, then that's lying. It's still a lie. You have, to, you have to, again to repent to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. I ask for your forgiveness. This is still lying. Sin is still sin. 
God is a God of truth. If we are really the child of God, if we believe that He is our Father, then we will speak the truth always, even to the point of, of course, taxation. We have to really speak the truth and tell the truth and nothing but the truth. So help us, Lord, to tell, us, to tell the truth to all the people around us. It's difficult, but then again, we have to understand that if we are the child of God, we have to always stand and bank on the truth, even to the point of telling the truth to your wife, to your husband, to your children. Sometimes truth hurts, but then again, you have to tell the truth because we are the child of God. John chapter 5, verse 18 says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. If you have God as your father, then you have to find yourself walking in that righteousness, holiness. Don't see yourself walking in sin. And sometimes, unfortunately, some Christians tend to make a career out of their sin. They tend to, you know, enroll in a doctorate level. Kumbaga sa Tagalog, dinodoktor, parang kinakarir ang kasalanan. And I hope that we as believers will not really make a career out of sin. When we sin, of course, and I understand that some of, I mean, an, Christian sins, Christian stumble. But then again, there should be a hatred for sin in our hearts. There should be a hatred of sin by saying, Lord God, I don't want to do this. Help me, Lord, to get out of this sin. I don't want pornography. I don't want lying. I don't want bitterness. I don't want to do this, Lord. I don't want to keep this bitterness in my heart. Lord, help me. Because the Bible is clear when it says, Everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, says 1 John 5, 4. Victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Don't you worry about that because the Lord will help you overcome. I believe that if there are things that are happening in your life and you're probably going through some trials and testing or probably compromises, then ask God for deliverance and say, Lord, help me. I cannot do this by my own. You are my father. And let me show them that I am really your child. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will move freely in you. The Holy Spirit will be the one to transform you. By the way, let me remind everyone that it is not you who will transform yourself. It is the Holy Spirit who will do that. You can change your husband. You can change your wife. You cannot change your children. It is only the Lord who can do that. You pray for them. Lift them up to the Lord and say, Lord, change the heart of my husband. Change the heart of my wife. Change the heart of my parents. It is only you who can do that. There's no pressure on our end to change them. But of course, focus on yourself. Focus on your walk on the Lord. Don't focus on other people. Let the Lord transform people. And at the same time, let the Lord transform you. Don't you worry because that person beside you is still under construction. The Lord is still, you know, trying to construct that person from, you know, so that his image can be seen in the life of that person. 
God is our Father. He is our Father. The second description of God in the Apostles' Creed also is that He is God Almighty. God is Almighty. I believe in God the Father. Almighty. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be what? Light. Let there be light. And there was what? Light. Now let's not argue here where that light was coming from because it will take us more than an hour to discuss about that. But the point here is that God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so speaking about that light, of course, everything that he has created is a blessing. Everything that he has created is a blessing. Light is a blessing. And I would say vegetation is a blessing. Animals during the time are blessings. And some is arguing, how about mosquitoes, cockroach? Are they a blessing? I will. I don't know. if. And I, everything, every living creatures, of course are a blessing. The point is that, that those are blessings. Why am I mentioning blessing? It's because in Genesis chapter 49, 25, it mentioned about him being almighty. By the God of your father who will help you, by the almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above. The word almighty here has a connection with blessing. That is almighty who will bless you with blessing. Because the word almighty came from a Hebrew word, Shaddai. Are you familiar with the word El Shaddai? We've sung that earlier, El Shaddai. According to Reverend Albert Barnes, this is what he said. I am God all-sufficient from Shaddai to shed, to pour out. I am that God who pours out blessings, who gives them richly, abundantly, continually. Wow. Now, if you're not yet somehow convinced with that, I don't know what can convince you. But I believe that my God is the one who supplies all the blessings. Blessings from this world. Blessings from above. You have to always understand that God is in control of your life. God is in control of your business. God is in control of your job. God is in control of your health. God is in control of your children. God is in control of everything that concerns about you. Because He is our El Shaddai, the one who pours out blessing. You can see all the, probably all the things that He has created. You may have pet dogs, pet cats. They are blessings to you, of course. You can go to the beaches. You can see the sunset, sunrise. They are blessings. Sometimes you take selfies, you know, with this nature. They are all blessings. You go to Santa Rosa, check the fishes there. Give them, feed them. Blessings. And you know what? That person beside you is a blessing as well. Try to look at that person beside you if that person is a blessing. I mean, if that person is your wife, of course you have to confess that she is a blessing. <laughs> she is a blessing. Because your family is a blessing. Do you believe that your family is a blessing? Your family is a blessing. Sometimes you don't appreciate what they're doing, but they are a blessing still. Sometimes it irritates you, but they're still a blessing. That person is a blessing. I don't know if you are familiar with this family, but they are one family. They are the Duggar family. 
They have 19 kids during the time and counting. I don't know right now how many kids they have. 21, 22, or 23? But they are still uh, continually counting their kids. Because according to their view, well, this is just them. They have their, what they call, the quiverites mindset. Quiverites mindset is a mindset that they believe that if they have more children, then blessings of the Lord will come. Now, I'm not saying that you do that. Okay, so don't start, you know, going to your honeymoon again. Let's, you know, uh, make some more kids. But the point is that they believe that children are blessings from the Lord. They are not liabilities. They are assets. They are a blessing. Because it's their opportunity to raise up the next generation. It's their opportunity to give them godly values and principle. That's why they raise up, of course, more kids. That's them. I'm not saying that we do that. You may have one child or two children. That's fine. As long as, of course, you believe that that is the only children that God has given you, no problem. But the point here is that everything that is with you and the people around you are a blessing. Always speak to their lives. You know what, son? I understand that sometimes you tend to test my patience, but you are a blessing to me. Or you know what, sweetheart? Sometimes you really test me in the area of my patience, but you are still a blessing to me. It's okay. You just bless those people, especially when you're driving. Sometimes it tests your patience as well. They're also a blessing because it tests your patience because without them, your patience will not be tested. I mean, yeah, right? Without them, your patience will not be tested. You have to always thank the Lord. Lord, thank you for those people around us. They are truly a blessing to us. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good gift is from above. And that's why whenever we mention about the Apostles' Creed, it reminds us about God being almighty. It reminds us about God being our Father. It reminds us about His goodness. And that's why, again, speaking of confessing, you just always call on to Him and say, Lord, You are my almighty God. You are my Father. You are the one who bestows blessing upon me and my family. Why do you start off your day? You know, confessing to the Lord and saying, Lord, bless my family. Whenever you eat, you can do that as well. When you eat, as a family, if ever you have the chance, don't just say, Lord God, thank you for the food in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's eat now. I hope that you will include also, you know, try to be, try to also add some, um, I, I would say, substance in your prayer. Lord, thank you for this blessing that, right, that is right now on our table. And Lord, we believe that you are also going to bless us in the coming days and months. Don't just depend on your own strength. I understand that sometimes because of our ritual, I mean, I would say, we always receive our salary. We always receive money every month. And you're already used to that. But the point is that if we are already used to that and we don't rely on our Creator, we don't rely on the God who provides for all, all our needs, then there's a tendency for us to rely on ourselves and say, I did that. It's my strength. It's my wisdom that actually made me rich. But the point here is that you have to always rely on the Lord and say, Lord, 
thank you because without you, I cannot do this. Without you, I cannot reach this kind of position or, or situation to be able to be a blessing for other people as well. That's why, again, always acknowledge that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Proverbs 10.22 reminds us also, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. He adds no sorrow with it. When the person blesses, God will not add sorrow. God will not add trouble. God will not add anything that will try to pull us down when he blesses us. That's why if you are praying for a future husband or future wife, especially for the singles, that person, of course, is a blessing. But when the Lord blesses, he will not, of course, add sorrow. And by the way, speaking of that, I would say that every husband and wife, of course, has their own trial, have their own testings. You hold on to your husband. You hold on to your wife. Don't throw in the towel and say, I give up. I don't want to do this anymore. Because there is no perfect marriage. Our marriage, of course, will be tested. But the point here is that you have to hang on and continue on. You know what? Let me just share with you at least a bit about that. That marriage is not just about, you know, the two of you. It is, it is not just because you want somebody to be with you when you grow old. It is not just about... about you know, you want to raise up children. It is not just about because you love one another. Some people will approach me and say, Pastor, we want to get married. Why? My, uh, my question is why? Because our parents would like to see their grandchildren already. But the point here is that it's more than the marriage in itself. It does not only center on you as a couple. It is really to take dominion and advance God's kingdom and advance the cause of Christ so that other people will also come to know who Jesus Christ is through your marriage. It is not about you alone. That is why is that person sharing the same vision that you share? Is that person sharing the same faith that you share? If not, then you have to again reassess and go back to the creed and say, Lord, I believe that you are my father. I believe that you are almighty and you are the one who's going to orchestrate everything for me. So that when you bless, you will not add sorrow or trouble to it. The same thing also with business. Ask the Lord for blessings as well and he will not add trouble to it. But of course, there are testings. The point here is that he will not add sorrow um, along with that blessing. God is our creator. God is our father. God is almighty, and God is creator as well. What do I mean by God being the creator? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I was sharing this with my son a few weeks ago, and then my son was really surprised because he said, Papa, is this really true that the earth, I mean, was filled with water? I mean, what about this, this expanse? And I, when I knew and understand that it's already time for me to explain what creation is all about, I explained it to him and say, yes, actually the earth is filled with water and God created an expanse separating, of course, the water below and the water above. And so it became very much interesting for him. 
And that's my way of connecting with him, of course. Because I want to ground him, of course, with regards to this belief that there is a creator. Unfortunately today, there are a lot of people today who doesn't believe about creator. They don't believe in God anymore. There's this belief of atheism that is right now pervading in our society, even pervading in, in the many schools right now. That's why in the West, in the Western schools, authors, Christian authors, Christian apologists, authors, are writing books to prepare college students, Christian college students, that whenever they are in that particular school, they are prepared to face the worldviews. They are prepared to face the belief. Books written for students. And I'm really amazed. Because if a student will enroll in that particular school, and he's a Christian, and if that Christian student has no firm, I mean, foundation with regards to, to his faith, then that student will come out as an atheist before the end of the year. Why? Because they are being bombarded by a lot of liberal teachings and, and you know, teachings or views that are contrary to what the scripture says. That's why, as a parent, if you have plans to bring your kids, of course, to colleges, especially in the West, ground them in discipleship. You have a role as a parent to disciple your kids. Dad, you are the pastor of your family. You have to pastor your children. You have to pastor your family. You have to disciple your family first and foremost before anything else. Before they have a pastor, you are the pastor of your family. You have to, again, ground your children in that, in that area. Speaking about God being our creator, if you are not into studying the planets, let me just give you a quick overview of a planet here. Probably you're familiar with this. Of course, that's the Earth. This is the Mercury, Mars, Venus, and Earth. Now, this is the Earth. And where's the Earth? Okay, that's the Earth right now. The next would be Neptune, Uranus, Saturn, and Jupiter. There's, these are gas planets. These are gaseous, you know, uh, I would say planets, because they're filled with gas. And then... After that, this is Jupiter. Now, where is Jupiter? Jupiter is there. It's too small. After Jupiter is Wolf 359, Sun, and then Sirius. Now, take a look. Where is the Earth right now? It's like a dust already. And then after that, we have here the Sirius. After Sirius will be Pollux, Arcturus. Aldebaran. And after Aldebaran, this is the Aldebaran, Rigel, Antares, and Betelgeuse. And then Betelgeuse, and then we have here Musefet, VV Cephet A, VY Canis Majoris, and the rest of the other stars. They are already the stars. Stars, by the way, are so vast and big. Now, where is planet Earth? We can see it anymore. <laughs> it's like a dust. And that's how big the galaxy is. But you know what? Despite the hugeness of the, of the galaxy, in Luke 12:17 it says, 
Why even the hairs of your head are all numbered? Fear not, you are of more value. Imagine that. Imagine how valuable we are in the sight of the Lord. God loves you so much. God cares for you. God sees you as valuable. You are important in His sight. You are so much important in His sight that it doesn't really matter how big those universe, I mean the, the galaxy is or stars are. The point is that He knows you. He knows your cell phone number. He knows who you are. He knows even the number of, well, I apologize for those who have no hair. He knows the number of your hair. He knows. The point is that God knows. The scripture says also, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nation. God has a purpose for you. You have a purpose. That person beside you has a purpose. Probably it's just a fetus before. But you know what? As a fetus, of course, every one of us, before we were formed in our, in our mother's womb, God already knew who we are. That's why, again, all of us are important in His sight. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Exodus 9.10 says here, although speaking to Pharaoh, but I believe we can also claim that, but for this purpose, I have raised you up. A reason why you are born in that particular year. A reason why you are at that age right now. Why you are 55 years old. Why you are 65 years old. Why you are 75 years old. Why you are 24 years old. There's a reason. And don't compare your age with other people. There's a reason why you, you were raised up in this time and day. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. He will fulfill his purpose in your life. You know why? Because He created you. He created you for a purpose. And to cap this, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Let me ask you, who among you believe that you are called by God according to His purposes? If you believe, can you please stand up right now? Lord, it is an honor to serve you. It is an honor, Lord, to acknowledge that you are our creator. There's a reason why you have created each one of us, and this is, Lord, to give you glory and honor and praise. Lord, it is my prayer that your people will not just work for the sake of working, will not just live for the sake of living, but will really understand and know why they are living in this world. You are our God. You are the God Almighty who bestows all blessing upon your people. Some of you are asking for prayer probably right now. Can you bow down your heads? And you're saying, Pastor, can you pray for me? So that I will continue to know God's purpose in my life. So that I will know why I am doing what I'm doing in the area of His kingdom. Can you pray for me? That I will always understand and realize that He's the one who bestows all blessings. He the one, he's the one who pours out blessings upon me and my family. And if that is you and you're asking for prayer, can you just raise up your hand, right hand right now and let me just pray for some of you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you will strengthen your people. 
let them understand and realize that you are the Father, you are Almighty, and you are the Creator. And I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen them, Lord, so that they will understand that they are not just a speck of a dust in this world, but there's a reason why they are here. Lord, I pray that you will help them and remind them that you are in control of their life, that you have created them for a purpose, that you are going to shower them with your blessing, acknowledging always that you love them and you care for them so much. Lord, strengthen them, Lord, so that everything that they are going through right now, they will always place it under your feet and say, Lord, take care of my problems. Take care of my worries. Remove the worries away from me. And help me to know that you are my Father who cares for me. I pray also, Lord, that they will walk in your path, righteousness, holiness, and purity. I pray, Lord, that they will shine your character, shine even your attributes as well, that Jesus Christ will be seen always in their life. Thank you so much, Lord, for strengthening your people. Strength, thank you, Lord God, for giving them the grace to overcome everything in their life because after all, we are serving the God who overcomes everything. Thank you, Lord God. You may put down your hand for a moment. Continue to bow down your head and I feel led to also pray for some. If you would like to receive Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior, if you would like to give your life to Him, surrender your life to Him and say, Lord, take control of my life. I want to have that eternal life that you are freely giving to all the people. And right now, I want to surrender my life to you. If you want to do that today without looking around, I'd like you to raise up your hand right now and let me just lead you in a prayer. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. This is between you and the Lord. Just raise up your hand right now and say, Lord Jesus. Yeah, that's it. Say, Lord Jesus. It's between you and the Lord. I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe that you died for me and you rose again from the grave. Today, I open my heart and I give you my life. I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you so much for the eternal life that you have given me. Holy Spirit, guide me in this brand new walk. Strengthen me, O Lord. Help me to call upon you as my Father. Help me to understand that your blessing always comes to your children and that you are the one who will create everything for your glory and honor. This I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. We hope it blesses and inspires you to honor God and make disciples. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or download the Victory app for free on the iTunes Store or Google Play. If you would like to share a story of God's faithfulness in your life, please visit victory.org.ph slash mystory.